Hey guys, this is Tom O'Pennekick, and you're listening to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. When he first came on, I was like, yay, Alan! His character in the first half of the season was flailing. You're really not selling me on this, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica, and this is show 80. However, on this episode, we're not going to be talking about Battlestar. We're going to be talking about Dollhouse, just to change things up a little bit. Before we get to that, I'm Brian. I'm Michelle. And we have a website that is galacticacorum.com and an email that's gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. Call us on our voicemail line, 301-358-5175. We also have forums... Where we talk about everything, everything, including <laughs> Battlestar, Dollhouse, other sci-fi shows. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is Galactica Quorum. We have updates for when we're recording, news, and other events that we're doing. Of course, the big event coming up is Dragon Con. Dragon Con is the first weekend of September. We are going to be a Dragon Con, and we have a live podcast scheduled as part of the podcasting track, and that is September 6th, that's Sunday, 7 p.m., 204 Hilton. Please join us, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, like I mentioned at the top, we are going to be talking about Dollhouse on this particular episode. Dollhouse, of course, is the show that was on Fox, it had a uh, sort of a shaky start, I, I think, and there was, up until just a few months ago, they weren't sure if it was going to be back for season two. So what we'll do is we'll go through and recap some of the episodes and what we thought of the show in terms of what I think of it as two halves, really. There was the first half, which was sort of middling, and then the last half sort of picked up steam and got a little more interesting as time went on. Just to start things off, let's go back in time to... Oh, here's Jason. Pull up a microphone. Briefly. Okay, so Jason just walked in, and Jason was originally going to be in our discussion because he hadn't watched Dollhouse. I just wanted to uh, get your reason why, because I remember when you first saw the first... I don't even know if you watched the whole episode, if you just watched the first 10 I minutes. Tr- I got through like the first 20 minutes, maybe liberally a half hour of the first two episodes each. And both of them were basically a version of, let me hire someone that I can turn into a sex slave. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I was just like... Okay, and that's when I went off on the whole thing about, okay, so we've got a sci-fi show written by people that have never actually had a date. Now, I have read that apparently it's gotten better, Mm -hmm. and apparently they're going to pull in every BSG person looking for work, and potentially some ex-Buffy and Angel people, too. So maybe at this point, it's one of those things that if Fox runs like all 12 or maybe 13 episodes, if they show it, Again, or I can TiVo them all and watch them in, like, a span, fine. But I'm not, like, quivering with anticipation. It still pisses me off that the wrong show got canceled on Friday night. Yeah, I agree there. Well, I agree it shouldn't have been canceled, but I don't think they should have canceled Dollhouse. That's fine. But if you were going to cancel one, it was the wrong one. Well, you can listen to our podcast after we finish it, and we will tell you all the episodes. You, you know need. I don't listen to these things. I know, and it burns me. <laughs> never. Up. He's never listened to one of our episodes, <laughs> no, that's ever. that's true. He has. I will say, no, no. In my defense, I did take some on one of my trips. To Africa. And I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably because I'd been on the plane about five hours by the time I turned it on. I've fallen asleep to a lot of things on those planes. <laughs> 
Oh, Lord. Uh, well. Actually, no. I've never <laughs> listened to one that I've participated in. Oh, okay. I have listened to the ones where I wasn't around. Hmm. Because I actually do try not to just come in and repeat things you guys have covered. Even though I know my version would be better, I try not to just repeat the <laughs> it same never old fails. stuff. It never fails. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that first episode. Now, of course, there's even a story behind the episode one because originally there was a script that went around that was the original pilot, and that got scrapped. Now, whether it was Fox or Joss Whedon or both that had some sort of uh, agreement about how it would be changed, it did end up being rewritten and reshot. A large portion of it was reshot last year at this time, I think. And uh, there's a lot of hubbub on the internet about, is the show in trouble? They don't have an original pilot yet. It's still in flux. What came out of that was the episode one, Ghost. Like Jason said, uh, when I first watched it, I found it completely underwhelming. I felt much like he did in the sense that the first mission that they had her do, actually they had two missions. The first one was her on the as the date of that guy. Wearing the skimpiest skirt. And then doing the child negotiation bit. I have to admit, that show, I was already determined to watch Dollhouse, but if I had just been going into Dollhouse thinking, you know, yeah, I'll check it out, you know, we'll see what it's like. That episode, I would have been like, yeah, you know what? This show isn't quite what I think of it. And, and I think if we went back, part of my problem with it was this is coming from a guy who's known for writing one of the strongest female characters in the history of television. And it's like, huh? What? Yeah, I just that first episode was not one that would just grasp me and go, oh, I've got to watch the rest. And I think a large reason why this show survives is because Fox has realized they're just purely going for a niche audience. Which, again, goes back to the, if you know you're going for a niche audience, then why did you get rid of the other show? <sighs> so okay. the overall story of the pilot, of her being the negotiator, I, I just didn't think that was a good introduction to what the actives do. I didn't like Tomo's introduction. He had that one boxing scene. was just oh, gratuitous. Why, I mean, why do we always have to bring in the boxing scenes? Because, well, <laughs> I mean, it was just gratuitous, and it was obvious what it was for, is to show him with his pecs and his abs. and his, Is he like a former boxer? No, but he has been trained. He has. Because okay. him and Alex. But they spar together. Spar a lot. Alex Bonavik. And then I was looking at some of the characters, and I just saw echoes, no pun intended, of other characters in the Joss Whedon universe, like Topher. I just thought he was a weak substitute for Wash. He was yeah. the blonde, quirky nerd. He had all these funny catchphrases, and he was just sort of the guy that everyone looked at like, this guy is just totally off. But the ironic thing about the Wash comparison is that, of course, later on, who shows up? But Spoiler! It should be obvious, but since we're going to be talking about every 13 episodes in this, I mean, the whole thing's going to be a spoiler. So. Yeah, huge spoiler. So, okay, going back to Tomo's introduction, I was thoroughly disappointed with his character. Tomo's a really good actor. He knows how to get emotion across. He's very compelling. And his character just, it came off bad. It didn't show his acting skills in any way. And I was very disappointed in that. Admittedly, it got better. But the first few episodes, I was very unhappy with how his character was being acted. Mm -hmm. Not that it was him being bad. I think it was just written bad. One of the things that I kept having as a comparison, unfair or not, was that I had read the pilot script for Dollhouse. And I thought there were some things about the script that were superior to what ended up being on the air. Part of it was just what I mentioned before, that in the pilot script, there was no negotiator. Of course, now the DVD has come out and they show you what the pilot is they actually put the pilot episode on the DVD so you get to see what it was and in essence it was several 
mini engagements chunked in instead of about one longer one. And I thought that was a better way to go just to cover and show what actives do. And in fact, there was still even some differences between what was on the DVD and in the script. In the script, they had her in a hospital talking with some self-destructive girl. And they showed just little clips of that in it, but it wasn't at all really clear that that was one of the things she had been doing. Admittedly, yeah, I like that they were showing more of her jobs that she went out on, but I still don't think it was executed well. Yeah. Well, the one I, I liked the best was the one where she was dancing at that wedding reception, because that one was the one that showed to the audience that the actives are thoroughly and completely, truly in love with whatever person that they're supposed to be with. And it wasn't some act. It wasn't them doing some trick. It was them. Compare that with a cycle riding, dirty dancing, party girl date. I thought it was a much better way to introduce someone as a companion that someone could buy, basically. But, you know, I mean, people only watch Fox for the sex. Well, yeah, this is another thing that bothered us when we, what happened, remember the promos they were running with her and Summer Glau? They were just like pure oh, yeah. oozing with just like, hey, watch us, we're practically naked. Oozing with, we know you're not going out with a real girl on Friday night. <laughs> watch us. That pilot episode, again, if you've seen the DVD version of it, lots of scenes, lots and lots of scenes they cut and then appeared later. Like the one I remember the most was the one with Ballard and Victor when they were talking about why would someone do a dollhouse? I don't know, it's crazy. And Ballard had this little mini monologue about they split the atom and so they will they'll always do something bad with technology and they used it for an atom bomb and they'll do the same thing with this. And that showed up a few episodes later. Of course, the original pilot script, Victor was not some Russian, what is he, like a drug guy or something? In that script, he was referred to as Keen. And his description was that he was a deep cover agent who cannot be still for two seconds, partially from fear, partially from coke. So the Victor doll was uh, another undercover agent from some other agency. I think the main thing I didn't like about the pilot, the original pilot, not episode one, was the introduction of Echo to Ballard so quickly. I originally thought that that was a better way to go because I thought it involved him much quicker. Now seeing it, I've come around to say that I like that she doesn't meet him right away. Yeah. Because... Even the Victor reveal, I thought, man, that would have been nice if they had stretched that out a couple more episodes. But yeah, having him just follow her and try to find her trail for a few more episodes, I thought worked. Ultimately, it ended up being better that way. But I still find appealing in the pilot, the original original pilot, him meeting her for the simple reason that it gets him involved in the story. Because, and we'll get back to this later, but... His character in the first half of the season was flailing. He had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. The scenes he were in were just so unimportant. And if not for the Millie slash November character, it would have been like totally irrelevant. Yeah. Jason has his hands up. You're really not selling me on this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we're still in episode one. <laughs> we're, still, we're still in the very beginning. Yeah, but seriously. He, just, he just said his problem the first half of the it season. Is. That's why it you, is, it is the first you can half. skip, especially when I get to episode three, put on the flame retardant clothing. because Should I, I view will. this as like a Seinfeld thing? Where like we know Seinfeld just sucks to begin with. If you and go back always to the did. first season, it's like I don't even recognize that show compared <laughs> to what it became. Is you know Seinfeld was bad. No, what are you talking bad. about? The finale sucked, but everything. Oh, else, the yeah. finale was god awful. Yeah, it was like Battlestar Galactica esque. <laughs> no, seriously, Jason, it does. It gets See, really good. It gets really yeah, good. It gets it gets good. I'm not going to say it's like on par with the. If you were guess, Tomo takes his shirt off. <laughs> oh yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, and the other thing I loved about Tom's character is that Millie, 
she's a voluptuous woman and he goes for her, not this skinny ass little bitch. (laughs) I like that. Keep selling me on Keep this. Sell- well, again, episode two and three, you, you can skip. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you should probably watch the original pilot, and then you can catch up. Okay. Just okay. watch it, Jason. It's good. All right. Jason departs. We'll continue. Oh, gosh, Jason. All right. <laughs> um, episode two, the target. Continues the whoring out of the actives. Oh, yeah. She gets hired to... Not hired, I guess. What, are, what is it the term they use? Well, she's programmed to be some guy's companion for a weekend in some mountain... Oh, yeah, that episode. ...thing, and then she becomes the hunted and... I, okay, I didn't quite understand why he was hunting her. Was he just psycho? He was, was just flat psycho. out? Okay. And it, it's best put, on our message board, someone wrote, did they have to redo the most dangerous game storyline? I thought that after they did that for The Incredible Hulk in the 70s, it was pretty played out. <laughs> I agree. I was hoping that they would do something new and different with the actives in that episode. And it was just another, she becomes someone's date and the guy flips out. You have to admit, though, like if there was a facility out there that had this technology and basically the richest men in the world can go out there and buy themselves a woman that was, you know, kind of classy or came across as kind of classy, you know, they would do it in a heartbeat. They would, but I don't know if it would make for a great TV show. <laughs> that's my, that's my. <laughs> problem with it is that yeah okay maybe you could have dolls their express purpose was to do just that right i don't care what tover programs into them in terms of i know kung fu but i'm sorry she would not be able to kick someone's ass that was 100 pounds heavier than her and like with muscle who knew how to fight they wouldn't so either way that was another one of those episodes where you're kind of like well this isn't really grasping my attention the other thing that concerned me about that episode was i was concerned they had already done their out of gas episode to reference the firefly episode because they had lots of flashbacks to how people came on to become involved with the dollhouse right and it wasn't nearly done as well as the firefly episode was nobody does it as well as that episode. that was such a good episode but i was concerned because if they were trying to push backstory that soon into a series it told me that someone, maybe the network or the writers or someone, didn't have confidence that they'd be able to do it later. And so they're like, we better do this now. And in episode two, explain how this guy came here, this guy came here, and how they first met. I thought that was kind of troubling. Then we come to episode three, Stage Fright, which oh, was, was torturous and absolute boring drivel. I could not stand this episode. Yeah. Everybody went, can skip over this episode. This is one of the worst. <laughs> we got emails from people saying pretty much the same thing. This is one of the worst episodes, not only of Dollhouse that I've seen, but one of the worst TV episodes I've seen of any sci-fi show. I hated it. Yeah, no, it was bad. If you haven't seen episode three, you can skip it. <laughs> I was like surfing the web as I was watching the show. Yeah, me too. Usually if I'm watching a TV show, I watch it. I'm into it. If I'm not into it, I turn it off. I had to force myself to continue to at least halfway pay attention to it. It's very bodyguard. It was just like, this is what Joss Whedon came back to TV for? Yeah. To have a, a bodyguard protection story? No, basically it all. was the movie The Bodyguard. Flat out. That's what it was. It was Whitney Houston's character being stalked by this psycho. Seriously, it was The Bodyguard. <laughs> so after that episode, I was like, I don't know how much longer I can give the show because it's really not turning out so well. Yeah, in fact, I think you stopped watching for a few weeks after that. I did. I, I stopped for a long time. That's I think that's about the time that BSG season was in full gear, and I didn't have time to watch another show in between podcast production. And at that point, they stacked up on my TiVo. But then episode four, Grey Hour, came out. That was the one where it begins with a fairly rote engagement where they break into a bank. 
And that one seemed kind of interesting. At least it was a, a turn from the, the usual she's on a date mission. But then it turns into something much more interesting when she's remotely wiped. I thought at that juncture that things were finally beginning to take a little bit more of a, uh, a larger scope than just her doing a single mission every episode and it being like a mission of the week yeah. thing. At that point, you saw the first glimpse of, oh, this could be a little bit more than what we've seen. Episode five was True Believer. Echo goes to a religious compound in this Tim Minear scripted episode. For me, the best parts of the episode were Victor and Sierra, who I thought were more interesting than Echo a lot of the times. And I might be mixing my time up a little bit, but that's when they start noticing that uh, Victor is interested in Sierra and they are asking how that can happen. I thought that was more interesting than what was going on in the mission was what's going on in the dollhouse and about the dollhouse. Okay. So up till now, you're saying, gosh, these guys must really not like the show. <laughs> and that is pretty true for the first few episodes. At this point in the series, on our message board, a lot of people uh, were chiming in about what they thought to do about Dollhouse, what could improve it. And one person wrote that they think that each Echo storyline or instance of personality needs to be three or four episodes, not just a single show. The audience is not stupid, and writing and filming it like it's a 1970s episode of Six Million Dollar Man with single-story arc shows each week is robbing the show of depth. The facility should have two faces, the dormitory bit and then a really sterile, scary hospital surgical theater so you can believe that this is a facility where they tear out memories and really shove in new memories. Adding a bit of menace and science to the procedure would make it feel more real to me. I thought that too. I thought one of the complaints I had with the design of the dollhouse was that it was just too feng shui and it was just like, I understand that they're dolls and they have to be like in a certain placid state all the time. Mm -hmm. But like that post said, you could have something behind that, behind the facade of, they could have a room that like, it looked really kind of creepy with the instruments and like devices that look kind of scary. Like what is that sharp pointy needle thing supposed to do, you know, and they could have the Topher character or assistant character be like, don't go near that. Whatever you do, you know, just something to add something menacing to the overall dollhouse instead of it just being this feng shui place with a nice five pointed coffin stars and things like that. But then we get to episode six, which was billed as the Game Changer episode. This is the one where supposedly the show is going to come into its own. This was written by Joss himself, and it definitely moves the story forward because what happens is Ballard does have face-to-face -face dialogue with Echo, and we learn someone in the dollhouse is altering her imprint expressly so she could talk to Ballard. And also, they have the big reveal that, spoiler, spoiler, as if we haven't had enough, that Millie is November, a sleeper doll. Which was awesome. Looking at it now, I like that they did it that way. But it's the same thing I felt with the reveal of, again, spoiler for a different show, Sarah Connor. When they revealed Jesse as being a person from the future on that show. Yeah. I didn't like that. I was like, what is this? Because they basically happen almost at the same time. You know He's what annoyed me about the Jesse reveal is that in no way was she ever... I'm not going to say no way was she ever hinting that she was from the future because, you know, Millie never hinted either. Mm -hmm. But it was just that... came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere, and she seemed like an odd addition to the group. Yeah. And then when she was revealed, it was just kind of like, well, why would you even put her near John Connor? Like, mm -hmm. what's the need? What is the need of her? And I just didn't see the need. Now, with November, you saw the need. All right. Yeah, we'll talk about Sarah Connor in another episode. But for Dollhouse, because those two happened almost at the same time, I was like... 
Uh, I don't know. If someone that close to him gets revealed as a doll, then you start playing this game of, well, who else might be a doll? And you get to that thing we had in Battlestar where who else might be a Cylon? And everyone becomes like <laughs> this paranoid thing. Every show has it. Terminator had the same thing, like, who might be it from the future? And I don't know. Well, see, I liked it for the fact that Paul started off as he knew too much about the dollhouse. And because he knew too much about the dollhouse, you're like, they've got to know what he's doing because he knows way too much out of nowhere. Mm. It was a surprise, but it wasn't. It was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, of course they've got someone watching him on a daily basis, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, I came around to liking it. And in fact, and this is a credit to the actress, too, because I was like, wow. Did they just spring that on? Because I totally didn't see that coming because she played it so well. as just the girl next door, literally, mm-hmm. that when they revealed her as being the doll, I'm like, that was really good. Because when Echo is an active, I don't see her as the active. I always see her as Dushku playing the active. Yeah. I don't totally ever buy it. I always see her putting on a little bit of an accent or acting a little, you know, I'm the tough girl this time or I'm the coy or I'm the, I'm the damaged girl who had a bad past. I see an uh, actress playing a part, and I thought that the uh, actress playing Millie was just, as Millie, had it down really well. So that was a big episode. One thing I didn't like about that episode was taken from the title, Man on the Street, where they have these little interviews with people as if they're filming a documentary or something. I hated that part. All those little parts where they had people talking, the people that they were doing them, talking about acting, they were terrible. <laughs> they, I just didn't buy those at all. I yeah. hated those. I think they could have just ripped those out, and it would have been a much stronger episode. They could have built it up with some other thing with Ballard or something. But God, I hated those. They seem really just artificial. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because I've seen Man on the Street interviews, and they're definitely better than that. Because they're actually real people not reading a script. (laughs) I mean, it would have been better... And it didn't come across that way. It would have been better for them to actually just go out and like ask people who didn't know what the fuck was going on about Dollhouse, the show at all, and be like, what do you know about this? And for them to be like... Because that would have been more real. This seems so fake. Yeah, that would have been fascinating if they had done it that way. <laughs> yeah, just go. People have them would be sign like, "What are you talking about? Is this a new conspiracy?" I mean, they could be like, and sprinkling in with that people who actually are actors, right? Who are supposed to say certain lines. Talk about good viral advertising and improvise just a couple lines that they're supposed to get in. That would have been pretty cool. Because then the people would go home and be like, like "Someone asked me this question today about something called the dollhouse." Yeah, and then the people at home <laughs> would be like, "Well, which one of those were real people, and which were actors?" And this one, I'm like. Every one of those is a, an actor, a bad actor. <laughs> uh, anyway, so moving on to episode seven, Echoes. This was the most explicit narrative of Echo slash Carolyn's backstory yet. This is the one where they have a virus in the university. Oh, I remember that. They go back and try to fix it up. Virus storylines in movies and TV always tend to wrap things up way too quickly, and this was no exception. Like, you have these virus stories where this big infestation is spreading across the country and it's going to kill everyone and apocalypse, there's going to be, everyone's going to die. Their guts are going to turn to water and they're going to melt. And then <laughs> within like a couple of hours, we found the antidote. Back to code yellow. Everything's fine. They've but- only got an hour. <laughs> 45 minutes, technically. <laughs> but anyway, this was a good episode in terms of performances by DeWitt and Topher. They had a good scene, mm-hmm. the two of them. That was good. Well, I also think it was, what, was that the first episode where all the actives work together? I think so. I thought that was interesting, how they interacted with each other as their actives. Right. And then I guess it was Sierra and Victor were like, wait a minute, I think I kind of know you. Yeah. That was interesting. And again, Victor and Sierra, their relationship. I like Sierra a lot. More interesting. When she talks in her non 
doll state. She has a British accent. Yes. And it's really good. So I'm like, is she really? I don't know. I've never found that out, but I'm pretty sure she is. I mean, that's one of those where I'm like, that's either a really, really good accent or she puts on a really, really good American accent. I can't tell. I can't tell either. I don't know. I've never actually looked to see where she was born. I like her, though. I like her a lot. Next episode is episode eight, Needs. The actives wake up as themselves and try to escape. But then it turns out to be just a security exercise. I thought that was a really good premise. I don't know if they executed it as well. I think the reveal that it was an exercise happened way too early. Either they should have done it a little earlier or still later. I don't know. It just it didn't have the same impact. But you do learn some backstory about some of the other dolls like Millie and Sierra. I and liked Millie's backstory. For a while, the dollhouse has been anxious because they think there might be a spy inside. And in episode nine, Spy in the House of Love. There's a mole. There's a mole inside. Dominic turns out to be working for the NSA. Dominic would be the head security dude. Head security dude. And Duet uses Victor for romantic getaways. And also, Ballard finds out about Millie being a doll. So this one was... Uh, ver- poor lots of Ballard. Reveals. He was still heartbroken. He was... I'd uh, be devastated, too. <laughs> I'd be like, God damn it. <laughs> the one thing I don't understand about Dominic being in there, if he was a spy, the government would have to know about the dollhouse. He wouldn't be, like, so embedded that he couldn't, like, at some point during months and months, not exit somewhere and make a call or drop off a parcel to be delivered to his agent superior somewhere saying, this is what it is. So they must know about it. Well, yeah, they have to know. And if that's the case, him just falling off the radar, it seemed odd for them to put him in the attic because if he disappears, to me that raises a red flag. I never totally understood the being put in the attic thing. I mean, obviously they took his personality out of him. Mm. And stored it in a hard drive. But what did they do with his body? He's just, I guess, sleeping upstairs or somewhere. To me, it makes more sense. They should have wiped him, taken his personality, put it on a hard drive. Which, again, aside here, the hard drives, really? Like, they've got these three and a half inch hard drives. This is like some super technological marvel they've come up with. And they have these hard drives that they're sticking into, like, these racks. And could they have, like, had some really fancy flash drive-looking thing? It would have been much more. Anyway. But uh, what they should have done was they should have downloaded him and then made him a doll of himself, but with the programming that he was not an agent. Like, I am the security guy. That's all I am. Right. Kind of like what they did with Whiskey. Yeah. Or they could have done it where I am working for the NSA And I know it, but I'm really a double agent. I will tell the NSA what they want to hear so that they don't suddenly come after me. Right. Because otherwise, NSA would be like, we haven't heard from our man inside there for a long time. Hmm. In the beginning, it seemed like Topher was able to mix various different like aspects of a personality and like, oh, she's strong and she can do this. And oh, she's smart in this. And oh, she does this. But then as the show goes on, it looks like they're just taking pre-stored personalities and putting that whole personality in a person. So what happened to the mixing and matching? I wasn't sure about that either. I thought there was a bit of ambiguity about just how they mix the cocktail of what a personality was. I thought it was, like you said, that they had personalities on file. And actually in the final episode, Epitaph 1, they talk about having their their brain scans. They have 100,000 and they're going to have a million in a few years. I think what they did was they had all these on file and they would use those as templates and they'd cherry pick different aspects of a person's personality and then put them into one big See, I just mix. don't understand how that can work because one aspect of your personality can be tied to another aspect yeah. of your personality. I don't understand I don't, that. Well, that's how in, in the aired pilot, how the negotiator started to flip out because she had some experience that was coming back to her and they're like, yeah. is it, remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. But I guess the thing that confused me about 
the NSA and Dominic was a couple of episodes prior. We find out that someone had been programming Echo to meet Ballard. But did they ever explicitly say that who that was if it was not Dominic? Because I don't remember. Why would he have that done? It almost seems like there's still some other agency or other agent out there. I don't mean agent of the NSA. I just mean some other character that their purpose is to have her meet with him. I don't but, know if that was ever fully revealed. So I don't know where that ended up. Episode 10, Haunted. This one was a murder mystery. Oh, I didn't like this one. This one reminded me too much of the BSG webisodes where uh, we have a murder mystery and you have to figure out who did it. And It was Colonel Mustard in the library exactly. with the candlestick holder. Maybe it's just coincidence, but it was co-written by Jane Espenson. As were <laughs> the web- Jason's not here. As were the webisodes. The family infighting, the tortured melodrama was just trying to me. There was scene after scene of the dead mother not getting that her family didn't think she was a great mother. And I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, who cares? Yeah. Why do I care who this person is and this, this rich broad? I don't care. It brought out the creepiness factor because basically she downloaded her personality and then she came back from the dead. All right. I mean, would you really want to come back and be like, oh, I come back to solve my own murder? Yeah. Well, that's the one redeeming thing about this episode that they have the concept put out there that you might be able to live on live forever. Death. Yeah. And that plays a big part later on in episodes down the line. But that was the one thing about it. We've talked before about certain episodes that are so 95% throwaway, but there's 5% of it that you have to pay attention to because it affects later on. And this is one of those things. The one thing that really mattered. Episode 11. Now we're getting towards the end. Briar Rose. Jane redeems herself with a better story in this one. Alan Tudyk shows up and he is as marvelously nutty as ever. I loved him. He was so good in that. He's brilliant. If I have any complaint about him in that episode, it was that he was nutty for too short. Because when he becomes Alpha, and super spoiler, Alan is Alpha. (laughs) Wash is Alpha. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I almost like jumped off my chair and was like, fuck yeah. Excuse my language. (laughs) But when he became Alpha, he wasn't nearly as... He was still interesting, but he was just so, so Alan in those first. But did you see that coming, though? Because I kind of did, and I kind of didn't. I want, you know what? I saw a spoiler on oh, so Weedon-esque oh, of yeah. all fucking places. Of all the places where you wouldn't expect to see a spoiler, it was on Weedon-esque.com. And uh, there was an article subject line that basically said, Alan discusses Alpha or something like that. Like, you, I mean, come the fuck on. Anyway. Oh, that sucks. It did suck. Yeah, I didn't know. And I was kind of like, when he first came on, I was like, yay, Alan. Because I love him. I just think he's the greatest actor. And I was like, you know, for Alan to play a character that is that nutty, you know, something else is going to come. But then when he like switched, went from being really nutty to like super harsh alpha, Mm. I was like, that was awesome. (laughs) He played that role really well. Yeah. I have to give him credit. The other thing I liked about this episode was that Ballard goes into the dollhouse. It took a whole season, but I think they finally got him to where he needs to be. And that is that he had Millie, but he didn't have another character to play along with. Once he's in the dollhouse, especially in the next episode, his best place is the role of the straight man. Because all this wacky stuff is going on, especially when, uh, when Alan was playing the nutty persona. When he's acting all crazy and Ballard slash Tomo is standing there with like this, you are so effing crazy, dude. He's just looking at him stoically like, what am I doing with this guy? I mean, I love that him as the straight man, that is when I think he found his place. Last year when we were talking to Tomo at Dragon Con, he was like, I haven't quite found him yet. I haven't quite found him. I think 
by now, if I was to see him again, I would say, I think you found it. Because when he gets into the dollhouse and he starts talking with, he sees Topher. And they're like saying all this crazy stuff to him. And he's just like, whatever. It's perfect. He is the foil for any other craziness going around him. I'm glad they finally found the niche for him. One other thing from Briar Rose, two clues that seemed really obvious to me was when they brought Dominic out of the attic and he's flailing about and he shouts whiskey and the characters assume he wants a drink. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> whiskey is the military alphabet. Code name. Yeah. And like, and the other thing was, I don't know, it seemed like they really tipped their hat almost too much with the Saunders is whiskey. When Alpha tells her, did you really always want to be a doctor? And I thought that was just too much of a tip off line. Cause I'm like, but I think all season long, you questioned whether she was a doll or not. The questions of how she got the scars and how was she involved in that? I think all season long, I was like, she's got to be a doll. We had this discussion, you and I we were saying at some point, what if pretty much everyone is a doll at some level? Because yeah. wouldn't it be a lot easier instead of hiring someone to come in and like, oh, this guy's always late or whatever. Or this guy has this weird personality where he always smacks his gum or whatever. Create the perfect employee to do yeah. that job, especially in that type of environment where you have to be super secret. You can't have people doing anything outside the boundaries of the rules and just create the perfect employees for each particular position. On the other hand, I don't know if I like that idea because then it becomes just too. Well, then it becomes, oh, well, yeah, everybody's a doll. Yeah. And we don't want that. So that was Briar Rose, episode 12, Omega. This one was written and directed by Tim Minear. I think this is one of the best episodes of the season. The only disappointment for me was that Alpha seemed somewhat diminished in this episode. This happens with any bad guy. Once the bad guy has to face their antagonist, their, to them the protagonist, they have to show some sort of weakness. Mm-hmm. In talking and fighting with Echo, he didn't have quite as much of a invincible aura anymore. And he wasn't as scary anymore. Because he wasn't in the shadows. I mean, he was revealed. You can't help that. But uh, Well, I think it was interesting that they put in that he was having issues with all the personalities that had been put into him. Hmm. That was kind of interesting. Because if you think about it, over time, if you've got all these personalities being thrown into your brain, at some point you're going to have a glitch. Hmm. So Alpha was not quite as menacing. He was on the defensive and he was running, which, again, is not what we'd seen for the first 11 episodes. And before he was on the attack. And now he was on the run, which is fine. It was just different. And the best part, again, for me, was Ballard and Boyd teaming up. The only thing I'm not too sure about is how quickly Ballard joins in and says, okay, sign me up, but I'll work for you. Let Millie go, but I'll, I'll work with you. Yeah, but I love that idea. I like it, but at the same time, I thought it was too I think they, if they had the time, if this had been a 22-episode season instead of a 13-episode season, I think it would have been better for him to like slowly have to work his way in. I think yeah. maybe even just two more episodes where he's like, I'm not working for you guys. You guys are doing this terrible things with these people. And then he sees that the only way I can help them is to work with them. Right. It just seemed like we had a five-minute scene where he shows up and they're like, what are we going to do with you? And he's like, hmm. It was too fast for me. I wish they had more time to have him make internally this choice where I can do more good for these people by working on the inside. I was thinking about ambiguous motives, and I think the one thing Firefly did really well was with Jane. You never knew during the course of the season, the one season of Firefly, whose side was he on? Was he really going to be on the team, or was he totally looking out for himself? And there was a couple episodes where you're like, you weren't sure if he was going to turn on them or take the money or actually be a loyal crew member. And same thing with Ballad. I wish they had time to make him be a little bit more ambiguous about what is his true goal mm-hmm. working on the inside. Maybe they'll do that in season two. I hope they have an opportunity to do that. So the season's over. The arid season. The arid season. And then they come up with Epitaph 1. This, of course, just like the pilot, has its own history where it was shot, but Fox didn't want to air it. 
because they had already paid for 13 or some dumb thing. I don't know. It's sort of convoluted about how they ended up being on the DVD. But I think they're stupid for not airing it. It's a ridiculously stupid choice because it's probably the best episode of the entire season. Mm-hmm. What happens in this one is it's apocalyptic. The time is 2019. Basically, the dollhouse technology has been used to turn everyone into zombies. Zombies! There's people trying to survive, and there's just a lot of really atmospheric, tense drama just seeping everywhere. Watching it reminded me of playing Left 4 Dead, the zombie video totally. game. Totally. The guns they were using and slinking around in the sewers, and I just thought, this is really intense. I like the characters that they introduced we'd never seen before. Felicia Day, Awesome. Well, basically, the concept of the episode was that they put out a signal over the phone, kind of like when Echo was wiped remotely, and anybody that answered the phone became a doll. And then they anybody that didn't become a doll, the dolls went after and killed, or tried to kill. Which is really cool. Not entirely a new concept, because the Stephen King novel Cell basically used that. People were talking on the phone, and there was some strange pulse they went through, and it fried their brains and turned them into zombies. The thing that confused me about the episode is when they reveal that they have these tattoos to remind them of who they are. Like, Sierra and Victor get them, and there's some flashbacks in the episode, too, which are really good to, like, show how the actual dolls that were originally in the dollhouse were dealing with this. So they got these tattoos to identify who they were, but how do you know that that's who you really are? Like, how do you know that was your original personality that you're getting? It was just confusing. But I guess that's the point. A radical thought was maybe what should have been the pilot, what should have been the focus of the whole first season was this. And then the, the whole season was a flashback. The whole se- Well, they'd have to rework a little bit because the way the they went through the whole season, basically, in that one episode. Maybe chop out a little bit towards the end about where people end up. I think people would have been really interested. Scrap all those send Echo on a date episodes. So it's a cool episode, but in a way it, it binds them to Stay in the future. stuff you have to do because yeah. now they have a endpoint. Once you show the future, is this one of those things where we can change the future, a la Terminator? Or is this one of those things where, well, this is where we will end up and we'll just show you how we get there? Those are tricky to deal with because pretty much everyone we see, they're still alive. I don't Supposedly think, alive. The only person we didn't see in the future was... Echo and Ballard. They're in a flashback. They're in a flashback. But they're not actually in the future. But it's still after the big event that turns everyone into doll zombies. Right. We assume they're, they might still be alive because they're off doing some mission. But either way, I highly recommend everybody buy the DVD. Give money to this really good show. So that is Dollhouse in a nutshell. We asked for some feedback from some of our listeners, and we had some people write in about it. Shannon wrote in... His response was, first a caveat. He says, I'm an unabashed Joss fan. That said, I'm not a mindless automaton who will accept everything he touches as handed down from high. <laughs> he thinks that Buffy rightly deserves a place in the pantheon of great TV. And Angel was good, although it took some time to find its voice in the first season. And he thought Firefly was fully formed and perfect out of the box, but got hosed by Fox. By Fox. So he was giddy and with excitement for Dollhouse, a great cast on paper, but did it deliver the premise of potential? Kind of. He thought the first five eps were hit and miss. And he lists stage fright right up there with the worst television ever produced by Whedon. <laughs> or anybody. Sorry. Um, he agrees that Man on the Street was the ep where things got turned around. And the home stretch of the season was vastly improved. At first, they didn't really make a case why someone would spend all that money to hire a dog. It was a plot hole that stuck out like a sore thumb. And one that could have been easily explained. 
what you pay for is not only the special skills, like whether it's safe cracking, a wifing, spycraft, ass kicking, or whoring, but the ability to have all the knowledge and experience wiped without a trace that provides the anonymity that you can't get anywhere else. No, that's true. They never really say that. They might have mentioned that sort of, but it wasn't. They sort of mentioned it, you know, mixed in with all the other. Yeah. Anyway, Lord knows I love me some Dushku. She was great as faith, as hot as the surface of the sun, and is, by all account, a great person to boot. Am I the only one that doesn't like her? But I'm not sure she has the chops to pull off a multifaceted and constantly changing role and inhabit it fully and believably. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and hope she improves in season two. Also, although I enjoyed Hilo and BSG, Tama was terrible here. I'm sure some of that was the fact that Paul Bauer was written as one of the stupidest characters on TV. Agreed. I agree. I, again, I think towards the end, when he finally found his yeah, uh, he gets better. momentum and... Wait, the way his acting is directed gets better near the end. <laughs> Does that sound better? Because he's not yeah. a bad actor. There's a lot of potential here. And the question the show asks, what exactly are we? What is a soul? What makes a personality? What's the morality of programming and renting people? Is interesting and worth exploring in a weekly high concept drama. I give the whole season a solid B. First half C minus, second half A minus. As for why I got renewed, he writes, off the top of his head, reduce costs. They already sunk the cost of building a set. The show found its footing, so they can build momentum on that. Fox Studios producing for the Fox Network. And that, by the way, is why Sarah Connor got canceled. Sarah Connor had better ratings than Dollhouse, mm-hmm. but they're not produced by Fox Studios. They were produced by oh. Warner Brothers. And oh, they, so it makes it cheaper. And so it's cheaper, got and it. that's why Sarah Connor got canceled. Well, and they had a whole lot of CG. Yeah. <laughs> now, we have a post from Monkey King who writes, Some things irk me about the show and always will. He says, I don't buy how the dollhouse operation works. I don't buy someone like Topher Brink, the technical scientist, being a goody hipster twit. (laughs) I don't buy a secret company hiring out assassins and hookers or both at the same time, nor that it would ever stay secret from the government. I don't buy that some fired security experts from FBI or NSA would get hired to be a handler of an active at the dollhouse. Nor do I buy in-house security expert being a stupid authoritarian type that is worse at his job than any of the actives and would still be in the same job. They have actives who are more skilled than their own employees, so why don't they have their brains clipped to be permanently super people? That would be scarier and logical. Basically what you talked about before. The whole show just screams, you'd never do it that way over and over. There is a premise in the show worth exploring, but nobody would run a hidden fixer organization like a Swedish day spa. The (laughs) the dollhouse operation should be scarier. So I, I agree with a lot of those points. The first half of the season, when the show was not clicking well, I found it hard to overlook a lot of those things. Like, why is the dollhouse look the way it does? And how do they send out these operatives that have these powers? And But now that the things are moving along a little bit better, I'm willing to overlook a lot of the issues. Good story trumps everything and allows you to become more of a believer. So, any final thoughts? No, I just hope Fox airs episode 13. Oh, they won't. Well, here's the thing. They kind of have to. I mean, if they're going to go into the future... I don't know if this is important now. The way things are online and there's digital downloads and... Buy it. I don't know if it's as important for a show to be, quote, on the air. Yeah, but I mean, how many people are really going to do that? That's the thing. It's just like with the webisodes for BSG. You can't assume everybody is going to go to the website and watch that. Again, I don't think it matters. Especially on Fox. Look what Fox did with Firefly. Fox aired them out of order, omitted certain ones, and you're still supposed to follow along. And this one, all right, so they didn't air the one that was probably one of the most important episodes of the season. 
but it'll continue on. It'll well, okay. charge forth, and uh, they'll assume that the people who know what's going on know what's going on. All right. I think we've prattled on enough about Dollhouse. We will resume with our BSG discussion in the next couple episodes. Again, we will be at Dragon Con. Please join us there. If you want to send Woo-hoo. us feedback, send it to our email. It's gcorum at gmail.com. And our voicemail, 301-358-5175. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. The Jump Clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for subscribing. Episode 80. Check one, two, check. God, are we really on episode 80? Yep. Wow. 20 more, and then we're at 100. Yep. And then we get... I don't know what we get. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs)